Well, good morning. Good to have you with us today, and a beautiful day to get, be together as we worship our God. If you would get out your bulletins, we have some announcements before we get started. As always, we have a tear-off portion on the back. If you're a guest, please fill that out, put it in the offering plate as it goes by. And we'd love to follow up with you and any questions and uh, concerns you might have, how you might learn more about Mechanicsville Baptist Church. On the other side, the yellow page is a place for prayer requests. Please, anything you'd like us to pray for, just write it in there and put it in the offering plate as well. We'll pray for it on Tuesdays as we do. Um, On the back of your bulletin are opportunities of the week. We have a lot of uh, great things happening this week. Today is a full schedule of activities. So remember that tonight is our, uh, at 5 o'clock, Encounter RAs, GAs, and Choirs. And I will make a little plug for this just because um, I'm compelled to do it as as I've thought about. Our Encounter time, each week at 5 o'clock, we meet right here. It's a worship time and and a study time. It has been really, really special. And I think every time somebody's gone, God has worked in tremendous ways. It's very interactive. It's, it's not lecture-based at all. It's, it's, we're all working together, talking about the Scripture, and a lot of really good dialogue, a lot of really good conversation. Thank you, Paula. I, that's what I was going with. And it's just been a blessing to me, and I think a lot of us is like, boy, if you're not there, I think you're missing out on something that God is doing in, in a tremendous way. So I would encourage you to come out tonight, 5 o'clock, any, any uh, week you can be there. And then afterwards tonight, we're having an uh, information meeting for our Dominican Republic mission trip. Any adults who are interested to go along with us, we're going to meet at 6 o'clock right after the service here in the sanctuary. So you can come at 5 for the encounter service, and then at 6 o'clock stay for the Dominican Republic information meeting. Uh, also tonight we have youth group that follows and handbells at 7 and adult choir meets tonight as well. And then on Wednesday, remember that uh, Salisbury Steak is our meal, so come out and join us for that. We have Awanas, Connect, Youth, Bible Study, Midweek Bible Study happens, and Stewardship Team meets this Wednesday. And then finally, Goal Ball is Saturday. This is our last of our first three Goal Ball events for our uh, uh, sport for the visually impaired from around the state. And very excited for this last one. I've heard so many good reports and praises from it. And like I told our youth, boy, this is, make it like it's the first time you've ever experienced a sport with them. We have kids who this is, their, this is their sport. They can't play soccer anymore. They can't play baseball. They can't do a lot of different things. But this is their sport. So we want to come together and celebrate them and be a blessing to them. One other thing about this uh, Saturday, there is an, there's an Olympic goalball team. We are going to have one of the Olympic goalball participants come from Charlottesville to be at this last goalball event. So you get a chance to get to know him. I think he's a lawyer in Charlottesville now. And so um, please come out and get to say hi to him. I'm going to try to convince them to put him on the court for a little bit, see how an Olympian does it. So goalball is this Saturday, 930 uh, a.m. We go to about noon. and lunch. Free lunch is provided afterwards. So hope you can join us for that. I don't see Tim here. He's in the back. Did I miss anything? I think we're good. All right. Linda, come on up. Good morning. Hey, you're learning. I don't have to get you to do it again. That's awesome. What a mighty God we serve. What a great way to begin our service in praise and worship to our King. Now, I'm not, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I would like the Mechanicsville people to know where the visitors are so during our greeting time they can come give you a mugging and hugging and welcome you to our church. So if you are a visitor, would you just raise your hand? Raise your hand. Anybody visiting for the first time? No visitors. Okay, well, are you telling me the truth? <laughs> Fa- um, Heather, don't you have visitors back there? Yeah, Heather, stand up. So if you're on this side of the church, she has two visitors with her, Ahasi. I called you out because Heather told me you were going to be here. So you need to give them a big old Mechanicsville hugging and mugging and tell them you're, you're just glad that they're here. As we stand up, if you need, how many of you need your hymnals for this course? We've been doing it for a while. Can you do it from memory? Yes. All right. Stand up, greet, hug, and mugs. Say, what are you saying to each other? 
Okay, wait a minute. Uh-uh. You got to do better than that. What are we saying? Okay, go while we play, and uh, we'll start singing. Stand up. Go greet everybody. Tell them what a mighty God is not condoning mugging, by the way, <laughs> just <laughs> hugging, and uh, hugging and mugging, I don't know, okay, uh, thank you, Linda, and if you would stand, oh, we're going to have a prayer first, and then we'll do our uh, hymn, so Second uh, Timothy, we're talking about suffering today for two weeks, and the bulletin uh, is actually um, not the solution for suffering today, it is, what is the title of it? Source of suffering today. Next week will be the solution for suffering. So a little typo in the bulletin. But Second uh, Timothy chapter 1, verses uh, 6 on. For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. As we talk about suffering, we delight in it because we join together in sharing in the sufferings of Christ. And that's what Pastor Tim's going to bring about uh, today in our message. And uh, as we come to give him this service in our invocation, be mindful that suffering has a purpose. And uh, let's delight in that together as his body. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you that you are with us in your Holy Spirit, that you want to kindle afresh the love and the gift and the power of Christ in us together. God, you have given us your spirit and you have given us victory over sin and over death in Jesus Christ. And we as your people, don't want to be ashamed, we don't want to uh, be embarrassed, we don't want to be timid, we want to be bold in our declaration that you are God, and you are mighty, and that you are victorious. God, as we talk of suffering this hour, we pray that your Holy Spirit work to help us to understand why even the hardest and most difficult things can go towards your kingdom and help us to share in our understanding of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Be with us this service, this hour, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would turn in your hymnals to hymn number 280, Redeemed, How I Love to Proclaim It, and stand together, 280, Redeemed, How I Love to Proclaim It. Infinite mercy is 
child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, this child and forever I am. Redeemed and so happy in Jesus, no language my rapture can tell. seated. In your bulletins is an insert for our responsive reading today uh, entitled Testimony. And Tim, I'll do the light portion. You want to read along with the congregation for the darker portion? So you all read with the darker portion. Uh, Insert testimony for our responsive reading. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Our offertory hymn is number 488, O Master. Let me walk with thee. Will you stand as we sing? And guide them in the 
ushers would come forward to receive our offering are they they must have lost count everyone <laughs> if you would please go ahead and have a seat It's nice to see everyone out today, especially since it's raining a little bit, but Lord knows that we need that too in our lives every once in a while. Would you please at this time join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for all the gifts that you give us. Hope that you'll accept the ones that we're about to give to you, the tithings and the alms and everything else that we have to give. We give freely because of the blood that Christ shared to be able to pay for our sins. It's these things we pray in Christ's precious name, Jesus Christ Almighty. Amen.
stand for the doxology, please? to let you know several have asked me about Jim Taylor and his memorial service. The memorial service will be February the 10th uh, at 2 o'clock here in the sanctuary uh, followed by uh, a luncheon. So uh, it's February the 10th. So it was two weeks from yesterday uh, that we will have the memorial service. And I wanted to pass this bit of information on to you as well. I got word from Ken Long that Martha Long passed away this past week. And so I wanted to make you aware that, remember, Martha sang in the choir. She was a member of the UNI class, and she and Otto were very active here for many years. And they since have moved to Lexington, Kentucky to be close to their daughter, and uh, she passed away this past week. Uh, There are no arrangements uh, to be made on this end. Uh, Everything that will take place will take place in Kentucky. So just wanted to make you aware of Martha's uh, passing as well. So let's bow for prayer. Gracious and eternal God, into your presence we come on this day that you've given to us, thankful for the gift of life itself, recognizing, Father, that we are precious in your sight and that you love us and you call to us to be your children. Help us, Father, to do your will and to discern what your will is for our lives as we seek to serve you. We are grateful, Father, for this church, for these offerings of worship and expressions of faith that we can be a part of each week. We're thankful, Father, that we have a testimony and a witness to share. We're thankful, Father, that the gospel has the power to change lives because it has changed our lives and given to us hope even in the midst of sorrow and suffering. For those who have lost loved ones, Father, we pray that you will bless their families. We pray, Father, that you will be with them and encourage them and comfort as only you can comfort. For those who are ill, for those who are facing surgery, for those who are recuperating from illness, we lift them before you and pray that healing could take place. We pray, Father, for the many people that are suffering with the flu. We know, Father, that our hospitals and emergency rooms and other health care facilities are taxed to the limit because of flu. We pray, Father, that this flu epidemic will subside and that people will regain their strength and their health. We're grateful, Father, that as we pray, we know that you have called on us to pray and you're able to respond to our needs. Help us, Father, to always remember our missionaries as they seek to serve here and around the world. Bless them and bless their witness. We're grateful, Father, for the power of your love to transform us. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Our scripture lesson this morning continues in 1 Peter, looking at chapter 3, verses 13 through 22. The title of the sermon in the bulletin is actually next week's title because this is a two-parter. Uh, instead of this is living with suffering, the source of suffering, uh, what we're doing today, next week is the solution to suffering. Just one of those things that I overlooked when I went through it, but the scripture is correct. Uh, it was either do one long sermon are divided in two shorter sermons. So I figured I could hold your attention better with two shorter than one longer. So that's why we're dividing up. And of course, you will get some of the answers to the solutions to suffering in this as well today. But we will move into chapter 4 just a little bit today, but I'm not going to read those verses uh, initially. So beginning at verse 13 and continuing through the end of the chapter 3, And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh but made alive by the Spirit by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. There is also an antitype, which now saves us, baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. At 91 years of age, Fred had had seen too much suffering. He experienced the trauma of seeing soldiers die in war. His family struggled with numerous financial downturns. He watched while friends went through devastating difficulty and painful injustice. His issue was not... Why do bad things happen to good people? His question was simply, why do bad things happen at all? Someone who had been sharing about Christ for over an hour with Fred observed that Fred finally just sat back and declared he could not believe in God. 
his reasoning lay in the suffering he had witnessed. If God existed, he argued either God was a sadist who caused bad things to happen or God was not powerful enough to prevent suffering in the first place. Fred did not want to consider the impact of human sin on God's perfect creation. Neither was he willing to credit God with anything good or beautiful. In Fred's world, whatever good existed was the result of his self-effort. And what was bad was God's fault, if there was a God. Fred is not alone or original in his thoughts. His arguments have been repeated in one form or another for centuries by brilliant philosophers and average people alike who try to resolve the issue of suffering with the concept of a sovereign God. Peter wrote to people who believed in God and had received Jesus the Christ but were experiencing severe trials. His treatment of this subject will require us to look at this this Sunday and then next. This week, we look at the source of suffering. Next week, we will study the solution to dealing with suffering. A friend's wife suffered through a severe illness. He observed, I've discovered you never really know God until you really need God. The Apostle Peter understood suffering and grief. His epistle encourages persecuted saints to use their plan for enhancing their relationship with God. Why do good people endure suffering? Why does a good God allow suffering to exist at all? This passage helps us respond to these difficult questions with a biblical perspective that overcomes our doubts and our fears. This is a difficult question that not a person in this room has not pondered at one time or another in their life either because of personal suffering or watching loved ones suffer around you, or seeing suffering in a universal context as it is brought to us through television and other mediums. Why do believers suffer for doing what is good? Verses 13 through 17 of 1 Peter chapter 3 give us an idea. In the previous section, you remember about submission, Peter urged the embattled believers to submit, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I swallowed wrong. To submit to authorities even if they did not exercise their power benevolently. Peter acknowledged that some persons abused power. But believers should respond properly. Their obedience, he said, was a witness to Christ who set the example. If they suffered, it should be for doing what is right doing God's will so they could maintain a clear conscience before Christ. We know that the scripture tells us and Jesus affirms to his disciples that there would be times of suffering. He acknowledged it to his disciples that there would be times that they would be mistreated as he was mistreated. God blesses us with opportunities to honor Jesus through our suffering. Peter's alternate reaction to injustice at the hands of wicked authorities was, in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy. The people could look past their immediate situation to the eternal reality of Jesus' reign. With Jesus reigning in their hearts, they could rest in the serenity of knowing the Messiah is Lord, even if they suffered outwardly. Peter was reminding these believers of what was to come. He was reminding them that this journey through life is but a temporary journey. And through that journey, suffering will come. It does not feel that way to us because we live with the reality that we think things will always be the way they are. But it's a difficult prospect when we start looking around and we recognize that people all around us have lived their time on earth, and have passed from our presence. And so it's important to recognize that any suffering that we were to endure in this life is but for a season. It may seem like an eternity, this side of eternity, but it is not. And Peter reminds these early believers as they were scattered abroad in Asia Minor to make sure that they kept in mind the great purpose of God for their lives now 
and in glory. When experiencing unjust suffering, believers should bear a proper testimony for Christ. If Christians respond well to undeserved pain, people who see them will ask about the hope that is in them. Have you ever been around someone like that that is enduring physical suffering? And you wonder why their attitude could be what it is. I have always admired people who go through suffering and can look at a bigger picture. And can understand that even in the midst of the suffering, there is something to be said about what God can do for other people and even for me through suffering. If Christians respond well to undeserved pain, people will see. Our handling of such situations must be because of something beyond the immediate circumstances. The believer's hope looks to Christ's ability to strengthen us in the midst of sorrow and to save us out of it, either now or in eternity. There has to be a bigger picture, doesn't it? There has to be hope even in the midst of suffering. I remember when my mother was suffering, and I think I've told you this before, with the effects of ALS. One of the things the doctor said to me early on is, we cannot allow her to lose her hope. Because if she loses her hope, she'll completely give up. And through that struggle, as I watched her struggle, I saw her hope wane and flow. She would go through periods of time where she questioned her situation. But then there were other times when she realized that it was a bigger plan at play here. We don't always understand or know how we will respond to suffering. But Peter reminds us that if we can get a glimpse of the bigger picture, it will help us put suffering in perspective. God blesses us with grace. To withstand opponents who add to our suffering. God blesses us with the honor of following Christ's example in suffering. Our good behavior accentuates our moral authority in replying to people who denounce our Christian life. Notice Peter did not say believers must be accused or might be accused, but addressed when they were accused. People who rebel against the Father and reject the Son certainly will assault anyone who follows Jesus. It comes with the territory. Jesus told His disciples to expect the world to hate them because it hated Him. Yet if believers respond to such unfairness with a Christ-like attitude, they put their detractors to shame. You see, people in the world who do not want to follow the ways of the Lord are trying their best to tear us down, to tear the Christian down because it makes them feel better about their circumstances. That's just a fact of life. It's important for us to recognize that people who deny the existence of God, who deny the existence of the grace that comes to us through the gospel, want to make sure that they are okay. And to make sure they're okay, they will do what's necessary to make it appear as though you're not okay. God allows suffering to come into our lives for His purposes that are far greater than ours. Paul described our suffering as sharing in Christ's suffering. He told the Philippians that God has given them the privilege not only to believe in Christ, but to suffer for Him. Writing to the Corinthians, Paul found encouragement in the joy they shared even while suffering. Therefore, Paul was able even to rejoice in his suffering for Christ's sake and the good of the church. Peter echoed Paul's sentiments. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 13. So that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. Peter is asking us to do something in suffering that's difficult for us to do at any time. And that is to be patient. To be patient and wait on the Lord. Just as Jesus suffered even though He lived perfectly in every way, even so, if we suffer, it should be for doing what is right. By not only living well, but by responding to suffering in the right way, we witness to the power and goodness of God through Christ. How could we think we are immune to suffering when the only person who lived a perfect life suffered immensely for what he taught. 
Jesus suffered first. So that we could understand what it would mean to overcome suffering. What example can believers follow when experiencing suffering? Verses 18 through 21. Our suffering should always serve as a witness for Christ. When we experience pain, we remember that Christ also suffered. We are not alone in suffering, but follow in the footsteps of Jesus as we deny ourselves and take up the cross. Jesus never promised us an easy way, did he? He said, to follow me is to take up a cross. And what do we picture when we think of a cross? We think of suffering, don't we? We see the suffering that the cross caused for Jesus, but also the cross caused for all those who were persecuted and suffered crucifixion. Jesus suffered unjustly for a just cause to bring us to God. Peter describes several aspects of Christ's suffering. Jesus not only precedes us in suffering, but he fulfilled a purpose in his suffering. He suffered because of our sins. He did nothing worthy of the pain experienced on Calvary. Jesus' suffering was unique. If we suffer, we must acknowledge our sin and the sinfulness of our world as suffering source. Jesus, on the other hand, was entirely righteous. He was not the righteousness of religious ritual, but the purity of divine holiness. Now let me make sure we understand that not all of our personal suffering is caused by sin. But a great majority of what happens to us is caused by sin. One example. Someone goes out who's driving drunk and goes the wrong way on the interstate highway. That happened when I was a seminary student in Louisville, just north of Louisville on 71. Some of you may remember that. It was in 1986, I think, 87. A group of youth from a church in Radcliffe, Kentucky, which is just south of Louisville, was on their way back from Kings Island, which is the sister to Kings Dominion, right outside of the city of Cincinnati. A drunk driver got on the wrong way of the interstate highway, going in the wrong direction in a Toyota pickup and hit the bus head on. And over 30 people perished in the fire that was caused on that bus. And you can travel down that highway today and see the marker on the road that's a memorial to those who were killed. Now there were several problems with that. One was the man was driving the wrong way. He was convicted and he spent time in prison. But the other thing that was wrong with that was the Ford Motor Company failed to put the proper thing guard or shield on the bus's gas tank to prevent that kind of fire from occurring when it was hit. So you see, sin has a way of a ripple effect. Now why that was left out, I don't know. It was an engineering issue probably. It may have been done um, with intent or it may not have been done with intent. But for whatever reason, 30 people lost their lives because of poor choices that other people made. And so when we look at the example of what causes suffering, we can name numerous stories, can't we? Of where those kinds of things occurred in people's lives. Jesus, though, died to make us alive. Another aspect of Jesus' suffering involved its scope. He died once for all. Unlike the Jewish high priest who continually offered blood sacrifice for the sins of people... Christ offered himself once and once was enough to cover the sin of all. His atonement was sufficient for the sins of every person and all people. Each individual can receive forgiveness based on Christ's sacrifice and on people have, and people have such a forgiveness available to them because of what Christ accomplished. Jesus proclaimed victory over death by his resurrection. The result of Jesus' suffering was that he might bring us to God. Jesus' pain was not the result of wrongdoing on his part, nor was he merely a victim of Roman or Jewish authorities. Jesus' death came about because of the Father's express purpose and plan to reconcile us to himself. 
The only way God could be justified in forgiving us was through Jesus' being put to death on the cross. With Him, we also die to this life, but are made alive in the spiritual realm. Peter clearly states that salvation is provided through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's essential that we see that Jesus was able to overcome his suffering and he was able to overcome death and therefore we need not suffer in glory. Jesus provided salvation through his resurrection. These verses in the latter part of what we read are hard to explain and there are many and varied interpretations but the best explanation to these verses is the simple one. It's to cling to the resurrection. Our salvation is provided through Christ's death and resurrection. He suffered but rose again, defeating the very o- and overcoming suffering and death. Jesus is supreme. Every authority and power that exists serves His will. Even if we suffer at the hands of unbelieving authorities, we can respond in such a way that witnesses to Christ as we recognize His activity on our behalf. So think about it. If Christ gives us the privilege of suffering for His sake, we rejoice to be counted worthy of sharing in His suffering so we can testify to His goodness and grace. Understand that the people in that day were persecuted and they were suffering. And Peter is saying to them, keep on keeping on with what you're doing. Be a witness for Christ. It will make a difference in your life as well as the lives of those who are persecuting you. But then we move to chapter 4. And we ask ourselves the question, why don't bad people seem to suffer? Read verses 3 through 6. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dispensation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. The fleshly nature representing the physical lust can dominate a person's life. Christians should put away those human desires and replace their own bodily cravings with a longing to fulfill God's will. Peter contrasted the time that they had left with the time that they had already spent. Many of these people had engaged in the same type of behavior as the pagans. Notice the deliberate nature of sin. It is something people choose to do. You see it very clearly here, don't you? It's something that we choose to do. Our choices make a difference. Unbelievers commit many sins. Don't be like them, he says. Their actions followed their evil desires. Peter warned against people who craved to fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then he moves on to say that unbelievers criticize you for no sinning. Don't let them intimidate you. Such persons think their lifestyles are normal. And anyone who does not plunge into the same flood of wild living must be abnormal or strange. Does that sound familiar in our culture today? They are surprised that believers don't join them in the same kind of pleasures. The world is a very strange In this matter, unbelievers think Christians are peculiar because they do not engage in the same kind of wickedness that they are doing. They even slander believers, perhaps trying to draw them into their circle of iniquity. Yet if Christians should join in their sin, these same unbelievers will mock them even more as hypocrites for their inconsistencies. You see, the unbelieving world does not play fair. The unbelieving world wants it both ways. They want you to join in their sin as if to bless it and then criticize you for doing so. That's how the world operates. 
And Peter is saying the best defense against that kind of criticism is to always seek to do what is right. Because he tells us something else. Unbelievers will be condemned for their sins. Don't take the place of the judge, he says. Unlike people who suffer for doing what is right, whoever continues in unabated sinful behavior will give an account to God. Peter made several important points about the Lord in his role as judge. First, he is the one who will judge. While the phrase one who stands is a single Greek word, it does not eliminate the truth that no one is eligible to judge but the Lord. Even believers are not in the position to judge one another. God is the righteous judge who will render justice on the works of human beings, whether they are good or evil. The idea that God stands ready speaks to His impending judgment. We cannot presume on God's patience and continue in sin with impunity. James warned that the judge stands at the door. At any moment, God could bring judgment on the entire world through Christ's second coming or on any individual through death. God's judgment is all-inclusive. No one can escape. Everyone will account for the deeds of his or her life, whether good or evil. With this phrase, for this reason, Peter tied his description of God's inevitable judgment to his closing statement in this section. Because human beings are sinful and God's judgment is sure, the gospel was preached. That's a beautiful verse. The gospel is good news to anyone who will believe in Christ, repent of sin, and receive Jesus as Savior. By the same means, the gospel is the basis of judgment for all people who reject Christ. The gospel saves and the gospel convicts. Notice how Peter always brings it back to what's most important. And what is most important? That relationship we have with Jesus Christ. And all other relationships and all other things that define us as human beings, whether it be suffering or elation, come from that relationship to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ keeps us stable in the midst of an unstable world. He is our only hope. You know, I love to ride trains. And... Uh, we rode the Cass Scenic Railroad a while back with the group, and uh, I'm always fascinated with how trains operate and what they do, old-fashioned trains, new trains, ever how they work, the tracks they run on and so forth. Uh, my grandfather's and great-grandfather was a railroad man, so it's just something that I enjoy. And as we go up the mountain uh, on the Cass train, there's quite an elevation, 9% grade at one point which is pretty steep for any train to run on that's not cogged, if you know what I mean. And so, but coming down, it's a whole different story. When you come down, you have brakemen on each car, and on each car, the brakeman has to make sure that he applies, or she, in the case of the one that was on our car, had to apply just enough pressure by turning the wheel to make sure that the cars didn't run together. And so all the way down the mountain, you would see them add a little bit and take a little bit away. And the engine was just taking its time, bringing us back down. But all the while, each brakeman on each car was working very hard to make sure that one car didn't crash into the other. Because if that were to occur, we'd all be piled up at the foot of the mountain, which wouldn't be too pleasant for anybody, would it? Uh, We would make the news for sure if they could ever get up there. But uh, it could happen. Well, I tell you that story to tell you this, that certainly what Peter is saying to us here today is to make sure that your brakes are set by Jesus. Make sure that what you are doing works well with your understanding of what Christ has done for you as you seek to serve him in the world. Suffering will come. Suffering is a part of life, isn't it? We have seen people suffer. 
for many and varied reasons. Usually when we think of suffering, we think of suffering through illness, don't we? But suffering can occur emotionally as well as physically, can it? Suffering is something that you can define for yourself. That's the reason when you go to the hospital, they ask you, what is your pain level, right? And they give you a scale, 1 to 10. Well, some people, a 10 is different for someone else, isn't it? It's all relative in that regard. But you know the one equalizer in all that suffering? It's that relationship we have with Jesus Christ. God's judgment not only means suffering for sin during this life, but eternal condemnation for people who do not trust Christ. At the same time, the judge will reward all who love him and have received Christ as Savior. The good news calls sinners who suffer for wrongdoing to repent and turn to Christ so they might find new life through him. Peter was encouraging these believers to continue moving forward with the understanding that suffering was just for a time. This life is temporary. No matter how you look at it, this life is temporary. It may feel permanent, but it's temporary, isn't it? And Jesus is saying through Peter, I am permanent. Rely on me. And suffering will be for a season. But the good news is that I suffered first for you. And I died for you. And I rose again. So that you would not have to suffer throughout eternity. And didn't John give us a good word in Revelation when he said what he said about being no more tears? No more sorrow. No more sickness. Because we would be in the presence of God. Where suffering would no longer occur. Yes, we suffer. But we suffer for a purpose. We need to find that purpose through suffering. And allow Jesus to speak to us. Shall we pray? Father, we know that these are good words because they come from you. And we also know, Father, that they're difficult words because suffering is a very real part of life. And yet through suffering, we can learn and we can teach. Help us, Father. To recognize you in all of life's journey. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus, I my cross have taken. Following Jesus requires a cross. Are you willing to bear it? Have you given your life to Jesus? The invitation is open as we stand and sing hymn number 438.
I hope you listened to those words as you were singing them. Verse 2, let the world despise and leave me. They have left my Savior too. Human hearts and looks deceive me. Thou art not like man untrue. And while thou shalt smile upon me, God, of wisdom, love, and might, foes may hate and friends may shun me. Show thy face and all is bright. And then the last phrase of the last verse we sang, faith to sight and prayer to praise. Indeed, the Lord blesses us even through suffering. It's up to us to follow him. Thank you for being here on this rainy Sunday. Uh, We had 106 in the first service this morning. Uh, One of our members, Pat Slack, was taken to the hospital during Sunday school. I know many of you were probably concerned about that because you may have seen that happening. She was talking to us when she left. Of course, we have not followed up because we came into service here. But she was alert and awake as she was leaving and really didn't want to go to the hospital. But uh, it was the right thing to do. Uh, in regard to that. On the 25th of March, which is Palm Sunday, uh, John Hare will be our speaker in both services. I thought I'd let you know that. John needs us to be his laboratory. Uh, He's in a class, and he uh, texted me and asked me if he could preach one Sunday between now and the end of May. I said, you can have any Sunday but Easter. And so he uh, said it worked for him to come on the 25th because he had another reason to be here as well. And so he's going to preach something for the class that he has that he needs to preach before a congregation. So he will be preaching. I'll be here, and Dwight will be here as well, but uh, he has asked. So I know you love to hear him, and he loves to come home. So uh, be praying for him. Uh, I told him in the first service before I had texted him back and told him it was all right. And then so I ran to my office and texted him before somebody could get to him and say, I hear you preaching on 25th. So anyway, just want to let you know that he will be coming to do that then. Uh, Let's bow for a closing prayer. Father, as we leave today, we do so with the full assurance that we may suffer, but we suffer for a purpose. And that purpose is greater sometimes than our understanding. We're thankful for the gospel that saves us. We pray, Father, that we might be witnesses to that gospel in a world who needs to hear. May we always be aware, Father, of the suffering around us so that we might pray and work and witness on behalf of those who have needs. Bless us as we leave today. In the name of Jesus, amen.